Thank you for joining me today for Success Coaching Radio. My name is Eric Reed, and I am your host, and I am so glad you're here to join me. If this is your first time, welcome. Let me tell you a little bit about what we do. We gather here every Friday for about 20 minutes. We unpack some ideas, some tools, some tricks, some hacks, so that we can begin to live life more successfully. Now, what does that mean, living life more successfully? We've sort of all been programmed that success is based on the size of our bank account, you know, the neighborhood we live in, the car we drive, or the school we send our kids to. And I like to think of success or living life with success as being able to be 100% present in all areas of life, our business, our family, our finances, our faith, our family, and our fitness. And so if we're so devoted and so focused on just one area, say it be our business, and all of the other areas are falling apart, that's not success living. And so part of why we gather here is to pull us back into that center point so that we can see all areas of our life and begin to move out from there so that we can be successful daily. As a matter of fact, I like to think of being successful minute by minute. Because a series of minutes becomes an hour, which becomes a day, which becomes a week, which becomes a month, which becomes a year, which naturally rolls into a lifetime. So if you're ready to begin to live life with success, then stick around for about the next 25 minutes. We're going to unpack some ideas that might help you with that. And I want to encourage you to get a notebook, take notes, keep it by you so that Each time when you revisit, you can revisit some of these ideas and keep a resource journal for yourself. You know, I'm kind of a journal junkie. I typically have two or three going at any given time. So uh, I always encourage people to to take notes and, and keep a journal and dive in where they can always reach back and touch on something. So today's topic is 10 ways to build your mental strength. So what do I mean by build your mental strength? You know, we all understand the principle of going to the gym and doing a series of exercise in order to build our strength. If we're working on cardio, we might be in a spin class, we might be in a CrossFit class, we might be doing something that requires us to burn energy at a higher level. But what they all have in common is that we have to be intentionally focused on what we're doing and what the desired outcome is. You know, you just don't go to the gym and walk around and stare at the machines and pick up a weight and set it down and come back a couple weeks later, do it again and expect any kind of results. No, it's not going to work. You know that. I know that. We've proven it to ourselves and we watched it happen to friends and family. So the same principle applies to building your mental strength. What do I mean mental strength? That agility, that, 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 that muscle that resides between our two ears. We got to exercise it. We got to tune it. We got to tone it. We got to tighten it. We got to make it agile and nimble and flexible. We got to make it resilient to stress and tension. And so over the next 25 minutes, I'm going to give you 10 tips, just 10, on how to build that. All right, let's begin. Number one, establish goals. Now, our brain is just wired to go seeking something. It's what it does all day long. It asks itself, what can I be working on? What should I be doing? Where should I be going? What should I be watching? What should I be learning? It's like trying to gather data. It's always like trying to gather, gather, gather because it doesn't know what it's going to need. Well, if you establish a goal, then guess what? Your brain's like, okay, that's the task at hand. 
So now I'm going to begin to move that. Now, sometimes we establish really, really, really big goals. Like, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. Well, the brain is like, that's a pretty big goal. I don't know where to begin. Let me gather all kinds of information and then we'll begin the process. So we become stuck in that paralysis by analysis kind of thing. Our brain is trying to figure out all of the best options to achieve the task we gave it. Lose 50 pounds, you know? One of the options might come back, chop off your head and a leg and you should be good. But if we break those goals down to smaller, piece by piece, incremental goals, maybe go to the gym two days this week, maybe lose a pound this week, maybe commit to a spin class for three days a week for the first month. If we break it down to those little incremental stepping stone kind of goals, guess what happens? Our brain's like, oh yeah, I know how to achieve that. Here, let's go do this. And it just automatically moves into action. So when you establish that big goal, break it down. You know, sometimes even on my, my, when I'm at work and I've got these projects that I know are going to take me all day long to figure out, I have to set myself for 15, 30-minute goals. Next 15 minutes, I'm going to do this. Next 30 minutes, I'm going to try and achieve that. I keep myself on task by having these small incremental goals that I'm trying to hit so that when I look back throughout the day, I've got these 15-minute time blocks that have win after win after win after win after win. And, I'm, and I leave the day feeling successful. And that begins to motivate my brain to enter into that relationship with work again. Same idea with the gym or the fitness or whatever you're working on. Find a way that you can stay motivated by having these little mini goals along the process. Because bit by bit, day by day, little by little, you will achieve the bigger thing. But if you know you've got this big thing, I promise you, that's where everybody gets stuck. They're trying to figure out how to begin to attack the big thing. Then they just give up and wait for the big thing to go away so they don't have to think about it anymore. Number two is set yourself up for success. It amazes me when I coach and work with people that I see all of these landmines that exist in their life on their way to their goal or what they're trying to achieve in their business or in their life. And I'm like, why do you have, I mean, like, who planted these landmines? Often it's ourselves. And, and why don't we remove them? If you want to be successful in losing weight or getting healthy, why do you have like a six-year supply of Girl Scout cookies in the closet? Or if you're trying to change your perspective, why are you hanging out with those negative people at work? instead of taking an inspirational book with you and sitting by yourself and reading it. If you're trying to gain more wealth, why do you have nine different credit cards in your wallet? Why are you not setting yourself up for success with the goals that you're trying to achieve? So how do you do that? Well, you look at what the goal is you want to achieve. What is it I want to do? Where do I want to be? What would it, and then you ask yourself, what would it look like? If I wanted to be debt-free, would I have credit cards in my wallet? No, I'd have cash. Ah, there's a clue. Let's get rid of the credit cards and start carrying only cash because now I'm setting myself up for success because I'm not going to keep reusing the credit cards, setting myself backwards. If I want to lose weight and get fit, what does that look like? Oh, I see myself uh, you know, going to the gym and hanging out with these kind of people and drinking these kind of things and eating these kind of things. Okay, 
What's in your refrigerator? What are you walking through the grocery store, shoving in your cart, saying somebody else in the house will eat it? You know what? Let them shop for themselves if that's what it's going to take for you to be successful. I mean, I had this horrible trap, my two kids, and, you know, they would, they would want a sandwich or they would want something to snack on. And so I'd prepare the meal and in preparing the meal, guess what? You know what? I would start to eat some of it. And then when I put it down front and they only ate half, I'd be like, oh, you can't throw away good food. And in the cookies would go or the half of the sandwich or whatever it was, the bag of chips. And over time, I realized, my gosh, I'm just sabotaging my success here. How can I set myself up for success? And so I started teaching the kids first how to prepare their own snacks. But second, I started getting healthier snacks in the house. And then we planned snacks in a way that they knew where to go and get them. So if they asked for a snack, I could say, go and you can have one from bucket A or one from you know shelf B or whatever it is in our house where I'm directing them. I don't have to physically do it. So I'm teaching them a bit of independence. But also, I'm setting myself that I'm not standing there just like eating out of boredom because they're eating out because they're kids and they're always hungry. So find a way of setting yourself up for success. Number three is tolerate the discomfort for the greater purpose. So often, we just want to toss our hands in the air and say, ah, it's not worth it. I didn't know it was going to be this hard, this painful, this ugly, this mean. And we toss it aside. You know, Napoleon Hill talks about the three feet short of goal. This idea that we're allowed to just abandon something because it doesn't make us happy, it doesn't feel good, it doesn't satisfy us, is getting really overworked. I mean, I'm sorry, people, but we have got to commit to just a little bit of pain, a little discomfort, a little bit of stress if we're going to go anywhere. John Maxwell talks about the 15 personal uh, invaluable laws of personal growth, about the law of the rubber band, that it's only useful when it's being stressed and under tension. So that stress and that under tension, even in the analogy of the gym, is where the muscle growth begins. That stressing of the system, the cardio system, is where the calories get elevated and the fat begins to fall away. So if you're mentally feeling like, I can't do this, this is too hard, take a deep breath. Breathe in and go back to why am I doing this? What is the outcome that I want to achieve once I get past this? It's the climbing the mountain thing. Yeah, climbing the mountain, at some point, not so fun. The view at the top, psh, few people get to see it. Why? Because they turn around and go back down halfway through. Don't be one of those people. Go ahead. Push past the negative thinking. Push past the discomfort. Push past the pain. Because on the other side, you will have developed a tool that you can use over and over and over and over again. It's called discipline. And discipline pays back huge rewards. Number four is refrain from negative thoughts. I mean, I can't, so often in a coaching call, I'll hear somebody say, oh, well, it never works out for me. Or, yeah, I tried that and I'm just not that good at that. And they just fill their head with these negative thoughts. And I'm thinking, well, how can that be building the positive muscle that resides between you and your two ears? How can that be healthy for you? I mean, you're dumping all of this toxin in why like really why why you need to stop it you need to flush the toilet and get it out of the way so i'm not going to tell you you can just automatically turn it off or deny it or shut it down because 
even in the effort of trying to suppress it, you're, energe- you're putting energy into it. So one of the things I like to do is if I hear a negative thought, I'll often say, well, up until now. Like, I was never good at riding a bike up until now. Now I've hired a bike riding coach. Or up until now is sort of my la- sand in the line. Anytime I begin to, to pull from my history, my, my experiences, the comments that reside in my head that have held me back, I'll say, ah, that was true up until now. I have a new awareness. I have a new tool. I have a new discipline. I have a new focus. So up until now, that may have existed. But after this point, no more. It's gone. You know, because these negative thoughts that begin to hang around us get like stinky gym shoes. You know, everybody can smell it coming. And you begin to shut down and become depressed in the isolation and the loneliness and the the negative thoughts. And so if you have to use the up until now, use it. I give you full permission. Number five is learn to balance emotion with logic. Now, it was interesting. I was in a discussion the other day, um, sort of doing a bit of a, a family coaching thing. And I was trying to explain that, you know, the mom tends to, to be very emotional, very, very mom energy. And, uh, the son is very logical, very simple. He's 16. He needs things simple and clear and direct. He doesn't need overcomplicated emotional bag, you know, stories. And the mother kept saying, oh, he never listens. He never listens. He never listens. And finally, the son said, I never understand what you're saying. It's kind of the same thing inside our heads. Sometimes we get so caught up in all of the emotional drama and that we don't understand what we should be doing, or vice versa. We get so logical about what needs to happen next, we shut off that gut instinct that tells us which to go. Now, you can't be all logical and you can't be all emotional. There needs to be some synergy. You need to find a healthy balance and be able to switch between the two as needed. But often when I'm pulled into a situation, when I feel called, when I follow that gut or that heartstring that pulls me into a place, then I'll ask myself, what is the next best step I can do to test this? And I sort of go through that process. And I have to pause because often that emotion that pulls me in, that emotion of excitement, we've all been there. You know, I, can, I can tell you the story of how I bought a, a shopsmith, a very expensive piece of machinery that you know, they, they typically have them at home shows or home remodeling shows. And this thing is a mammoth piece of machinery. I mean mammoth. You know, and it's got engines and gears and dials and levers. And it can do everything from jigsaw to lathe. Um, you could build a house with it and make bowls and spoon. I mean, anything that comes out of wood, you could do it on this one machine with a flip of a button or a switch of a lever. And then a man that was just demonstrating it, ooh, he made it look so cool. I had to have one. I had to. I was pulled into it. I was absolutely pulled into the moment. Signed the paperwork, had it delivered to my house. Comes in something like twice the size of the average coffin. Get it in the house. I don't know the first thing about woodworking. Find out I've got to rewire the electric to support the motor. Was going to put it in the basement, but all of the, the dust and uh, things that would come off of it would trigger the smoke alarms and clog the the air conditioning unit. 
not a, the worst decision, but really emotion drove that decision. And it had I taken just a moment and said, okay, is this really where you need to start? The, the Cadillac of Cadillac of woodworking tools. Maybe you want to go get a model airplane and see what you can do with that. Sometimes we get pulled into the emotion so far that we set logic aside and vice versa. Sometimes we become so logical that all of the energy and enthusiasm and excitement that it would take to move us forward, we abandon because it's not logical. It's not logical. The odds are against us. We can logic our way out of anything. So learn to live that balance and learn to switch between the two very quickly. One of the practices that I'm involved in um, is a routine where you work out very intensely, 20, 30 minutes. You know, you're, you're sweating, you're pumping, you're breathing, you're, you're grunting, right? And then you go into a meditation process for 20 or 30 minutes. It's to train the brain how to go from high intensity to low thought, to, to clarity of thought, from all of that energy to that stillness. So learn to do the same when you're making decisions. Ask yourself, how do I feel about this? What is the next best step that I can do? How can I test what I'm feeling? Where do I want this to go? How will I feel when I arrive there? Keep the balance. Number six is strive to fulfill your purpose. Now, I know we talk about vision and mission and purpose, and it seems like a very big, 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 big thing. Well, if you've been around me for any length of time, you know, mine is to have the tools and resources necessary to be of service to others when asked. Now, when I began that, tools and resources might have been cash, might have been time, might have been connections to friends, and of service to others when asked. I was very deeply involved in foster care and kids at risk and neglected and abused children. So that was kind of where my eye was focusing on being of service. Well, lo and behold, as time goes on, I gain more resources so I can aid more kids and my, my, my purpose and my passion expand. But I never miss the opportunity to do it again in a small way. I mean, doing a thousand backpacks for kids going to school Wonderful, love it, big, mammoth. But also finding out that the kid down the street or the family across town or in our church needs something small and running out and picking it up and just dropping it on the doorstep anonymously is fulfilling my purpose. Being able to go into the schools and teach for an afternoon about bullying and self-esteem and leadership and development fulfilling my purpose. So find a way to fulfill your purpose. It doesn't have to be monumentally big that brings the newspaper and the radio shows. It can just be looking at somebody and telling them that they're important, that they have value, and that you're glad they showed up today. Strive to fulfill your purpose. And the interesting thing that will happen with your brain is once you begin to say that every morning, how can I be of service to someone today? Or how can I live my purpose today? Your brain, that little muscle that we're trying to grow and strengthen, starts looking. Well, you've given me a task. I've got to go out and find a place to be of service to someone or to live their, your purpose. And it begins to look around and look around, and it discovers all kinds of ways that we can do it. Remember, the brain wants a job to do, and if we don't give it a job to do, somebody else will. And often it's for their agenda and their beliefs. So find your own purpose for it. 
Number seven is look for explanations, not excuses. So if something goes wrong in your life, don't go, ah, it's not my fault. Yeah, somebody else made me do it. You know, it's because of the economy, the situation, my socioeconomic, whatever. All of these excuses. You know what? Stop. Just nobody buying your excuse and it ain't working and it ain't helping you. So just stop the excuse. Instead, look and go, okay, this happened. Why? How can I improve? What do I need to do differently? How can I be better prepared? Where could I turn left or right? What should I do? Look for the explanation of why the event occurred, why it didn't, the outcome wasn't what you wanted. So now we're reflecting and analyzing and using that muscle of recall. And then we're using logic for, okay, now let me test. If A plus B equals C, and C wasn't the result I wanted, therefore do I change A or change B? What do I need to change to change the outcome? And we begin to go through this mental exercise and forming the right answers and forming the right vision for what we want and how our behavior and habits will influence the outcome. And so don't rely on the excuses. Instead, celebrate it. Celebrate the failure, the bump in the road, the spilled milk, whatever you want to call it. Instead, look for the explanation and then begin to move into it. Now, number eight is sort of an overlap of before, but it's do a hard thing every day. Now, what is a hard thing? For you and me, it can be completely different. A hard thing for somebody might be doing something like this podcast. Hard thing for me might be learning how to cook a new meal. <laughs> Trust me, I'm not really patient about cooking. I'm great at grilling, cooking, not so much. But by doing a hard thing every day, we stretch ourselves out of our comfort zone. We move beyond where we're currently at. We move into a new place. And we begin to discover things about ourselves. You know, so often I'll hear somebody say, oh, I could never do that. And then when we meet the next week for coaching after they've been challenged to do it, they're like, I didn't know I was so good at it. I didn't know I could do that. I completely forgot how much I love doing that. So mental strength won't magically make you feel motivated all the time. But guess what? Doing the hard thing and then taking that win and putting it in your bucket, man, that'll motivate you like nothing else. So find that challenging thing. And I like to do the hard thing first in the morning if I know ahead of time what it's going to be. Because then the rest of the day feels easy breezy, my friend. You know, in sales, they have the expression, swallow the frog you know, swallow the frog first. It's sort of get that ugly thing out of the way first. Get that call that you don't want to make, that email you don't want to send. Get it done first thing in the morning. Get it done early. It's the hardest thing. And once you've conquered that, no matter what pops up in your email or your schedule, will look easy compared to it. Always pick something outside your, your comfort zone. I like to have four or five big comfort zone stretchers on my calendar, jumping out of an airplane, taking a particular course, speaking in front of a group, traveling to a destination. Something that, that I have to like mentally step into fully for a day or a week. And so it's fun to have those things because when you come back, it's like you discover a whole new you through the experience. So do the hard thing every day. Number nine is use the 10-minute rule. Mental strength takes time to build. You're, you're tempted to put something off. So use the 10-minute rule. When you're, um, 
when you realize you've got to get something done, just say, only for the next 10 minutes. I'm only going to focus on this for the next 10 minutes. This is the next 10 minutes of my life. Nothing else is going to happen but this for the next 10 minutes. What oddly happens is once you sort of set that there's an end, that you're not going to have to endure this thing forever, you dive right in because you're like, eh, I can do anything for 10 minutes. Well, lo and behold, you're probably going to end up doing 20, 30, 40 minutes of it. But if you're able to use that 10-minute rule and just tell yourself, for the next 10 minutes, I'm going to focus in and read. For the next 10 minutes, I'm going to learn this lesson. For the next 10 minutes, I'm going to study this course. For the next 10 minutes, I'm going to walk briskly or, or whatever it is or keep myself off Facebook or stop checking my Instagram and Pinterest. What happens is our brain says, I can do it. And it charges up and it gets ready and it says anything is possible. And it goes into that so that when we are faced with one of those big challenges, we can say, you know what? It's only going to be 10 minutes. I can push through this. All right. So try the 10 minute rule. And then number nine or number 10, I'm sorry, is, is, is prove yourself wrong. I know, kind of a weird one, right? The next time you think you can't do something, prove yourself wrong. Commit to doing one more push-up in the gym or closing one more deal or doing one more podcast or Facebook Live. Your mind will want to quit long before your body needs to give up. Trust me. So prove yourself wrong. I have this challenge in, in my run. I'm, I, I'm, not a, 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 up in, I'm, not a, I'm building into becoming a stronger runner. But there is this hill, and I say this hill is like straight up vertical, against the wind, in a snowstorm, with barbed wire. I mean, it's, I, I can't think of a more challenging. And I, I have to tell myself, not in the middle of the climb, not in the middle of the run, up the hill, that I can do it. But I have to tell myself before I even start the run, you know what, that hill, I'm conquering that thing today. We're going to blow it up. Because if I don't try and prove myself wrong, then guess what? That begins to creep in creep in. Mm, yeah, you said it and it became the reality. And that's what happens is so often that we live our lives and we call them truths. Well, you know what? It's not a truth because I've seen people bullet up that hill and not break a sweat. So to say nobody could make it up that hill running, eh, no, I'll look at somebody else and prove myself wrong. Then I'll begin to apply it to myself. If there's something you really want to accomplish in life and you really doubt that you have the ability and you've been telling yourself, you know what, people like me or this doesn't happen or it's never going to be or, you know, you just don't understand how hard this is, go find somebody that's currently doing it and doing it well and see how easy they make it look. Prove yourself wrong. It can be accomplished. What you lack it's the strategy. What you lack is the motivation and determination to make it happen. But you don't lack the ability. So prove yourself wrong. Take time and let your mind be like, you know what? That was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. I can do this. I can accomplish all things. I'm bigger, better, stronger, faster than I thought I was. So just a quick recap. Number one, establish goals. Number two, set yourself up for success. Number three, Tolerate discomfort discomfort for the greater purpose. And number four is refrain from negative thoughts. Number five, balance your emotions with logic. Number six, 
Strive to fulfill your purpose a little bit every day. Number seven is look for the explanation, not the excuse. Number eight, do one hard thing every day. Get out of your safe zone. And number nine, I said, was use the 10-minute rule. I can do whatever I got to do for at least 10 minutes. I can make it through the next 10 minutes. I can focus in. And then number 10 was prove yourself wrong. So as you begin to move into building your mental strength and beginning to gain clarity of thought and controlling that mind that, that we all have, I wish you great success and prosperity at it. Well, you can discipline it just like you can your body. Do it intentionally, daily. You know, if you have to put on a workout outfit and you know to go through these 10, go for it. But understand that that gray matter that resides you know, in our head it needs to be trained and disciplined and exercised just like the rest of our body. And so these 10 tips I'm hoping will help you just sort of begin to see where you can mold and, and control your thoughts and your, your behaviors and the results you want in your life. Right. So I appreciate you joining me today today for Success Coaching Radio. I'm not sure what's going on here with the mouth. It feels a little fumbly. Um, and if you want to see the mouth in live action, you can join us on Facebook Live every Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern. Do a little mini version teaching of this every day so you can start your morning with success and positive thoughts and some little life hacks to get you on your way. And if you should need me for anything in between, don't be afraid to reach out and find me through social media. It's pretty easy. It's Eric G. Reed. There's a Facebook page. There's a website. You know, you'll find me. Connect with me, ask me what your questions you may have, ask me for help and support, or just give me some recommendations. I look forward to it. And until we get together next Friday, go out and live today with success.